Welcome to a daily dose of Torah, as Rabbi Ruvi New masterfully blends a flavorful mix of today's Hayom Yom, Hasidic meditation, Torah portion, Tanya, and Maimonides. Get ready for a delicious and nutritious power booster for your soul. Ready to power up your day? Join Rabbi New for the daily Torah podcast on your favorite podcast provider like Spotify, Apple, and Google. Plug in and power up. Good morning. Welcome to this very special Siyum edition of 10 Minutes of Torah. Siyum means to complete. And uh, typically in a, uh, on a typical year, on the eve of Pesach, the um, firstborn fast um, unless they hear a Siyum, which is the uh, completion of a tractate of Talmud, which is customarily done on the eve of Pesach, after services to enable the firstborn to eat this year in light of the fact that um, Pesach starts Saturday night and we don't want to incur or impose a fast on Friday so the the, uh, the fast of the firstborn is pushed back to today, Thursday morning so momentarily we're going to hear a siyum, a completion of a tractate of the Jerusalem Talmud um, before we get there to share today's Hayyim Yoyim, today's Hasidic teaching. Ever since the time of the Exodus from Egypt, the Jewish people have been called the Army of God. Now elsewhere, the Jewish people are also called the Servants of God. The difference between servants and an army can be explained as follows. A servant performs work for his master on various levels. Um, one pierces pearls, one works in other crafts, another carries out unskilled tasks. These involve considerable labor and effort, but no element of self-sacrifice. So a servant dutifully carries out whatever tasks they need to, but don't, sacri- uh, don't sacrifice themselves to execute those tasks. An army, by contrast, is comprised of subjects who expend toil and exertion and self-sacrifice, whether in a defensive war or an offensive one. Soldiers uh, discharge their duties with utter resoluteness, unperturbed by their opponents and enemies. Their service does not depend on their understanding for they follow the orders of their commanders. In Egypt, the souls of the Jewish people were on the lowest levels due to the harsh and bitter afflictions. Nevertheless, they did not change their names. The Jewish people continued to give and call themselves Jewish names, nor their language. They continued to speak Hebrew. And uh, neither did they um, change the way they dress, which means they continued to dress in a modest way. On the contrary, they held their ground with the utmost tenacity, for they knew that God had promised to redeem them. A person who conducts himself thus in a similar situation is a member of God's army. God helps in a way it helps them in a way that transcends nature, but that is vested within nature. So that's the Hayyim Yoim for today to um, make what is called the Siyum, the completion of the tractate of uh, Talmud, again, for the benefit of firstborn to exempt them from having to fast today. I'm going to turn over the mic to Rabbi Yaakov uh, Greenstein 
um, who is going to lead the Siyum, the uh, completion of the Tractate of Talmud. Okay, good morning, everybody. As people are aware, the rabbi pointed out that uh, this particular year, Erev Pesach, is Shabbos. So I thought it might be appropriate to pick a discussion to, this, to relate to you that the Gemara discusses about Erev Pesach falling on Shabbos. And this is actually discussed not just in the Jerusalem Talmud, but it's discussed in the Babylonian Talmud as well, in a Mishnah, in the Tractate of Shabbos. Now, I'm going to say over this little piece about the uh, Erev Pesach being falling out on Shabbos, and then I'll go to the end of the Masechta and just finish up a few lines regarding the completion of this uh, tractate. Now, Rabbi Yaakov Acha said in the name of Rav Ami, or Imi, uh, this is a disagreement between Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi Shimon ben Lakesh. I mean, these guys were brother-in-laws, and they were also study partners. Rish Lakesh, again, was a uh, Balchuva. Rabbi Yochanan was the Rebbe of the Yeshiva, and uh, uh, Rish Lakesh had married Rabbi Yochanan's sister. In any event, what happens if... And we, we learned in the Mishnah over here that you can't consecrate an animal on the Sabbath to make it holy to offer as a sacrifice. Um, and this is a disagreement. In uh, one of the one opinion is that you may consecrate, okay, and that's Rabbi Yochanan, and the other one says you're not allowed to conse- consecrate. So um, if, if you, this is, pertains to the Korban Pesach, the Paschal Lamb, that's supposed to be brought as a sacrifice, so that if um, you, for whatever reason, didn't have a Paschal sacrifice, it's a problem if you um, uh, can cannot consecrate it uh, to bring on the Sabbath. There's other details that complicate this issue. In other words, that a Korban Pesach has to be brought as part of a group, etc. But you know, I'm not going to address all the side issues right this moment. Now, um, the rabbis of Caesarea uh, clarified the positions of the two disputants. Rabbi Yochanan said that one may initially consecrate consec- create an animal as an offering on Yom Tov. And Rabbi Shimon Men Lokesh says one may not consecrate an animal as an offering on Yom Tov. Um, now, Eistani Tana, there's a teacher of a Brisa, there's a teacher of a, uh, a rabbinic source who says, now what happens if you don't have a lamb to bring the sacrifice with? You didn't buy it or your lamb died or whatever the case may be. So, um, you can go to someone who sells lambs as a Pesach offering and arrange for um, a, a, a merchant to give you a lamb on trust. There's another, however, uh, Bryce, another teacher, who says you should go to those who sell Pesach offerings and arrange for them to give him uh, an offering on trust. In other words, these are animals that are, so, so to speak, pre-consecrated, um, and you don't have to come into the question of whether or not you're allowed to. However, the first uh, opinion is, uh, implies that you can go to someone who just sells uh, ordinary lambs and consecrate it after you purchase it. So the one who says you can go to sell ordinary lambs uh, and then consecrate it uh, uh, supports Rabbi Yochanan, says that you can consecrate an offering on Shabbos or Yom Tov. The one who says you have to go to the, uh, those who sell uh, pre-consecrated lambs um, uh, uh, agrees with Rish Lokesh, uh, Rabbi Shimon Mel Lokesh. Okay. So, 
Now there's a, a problem with mechanics here. Um, so what do you have to do? You have to um, uh, clarify that the animal did not lose its uh, status as a consecrated animal by going through a procedure of purchasing it. Um, so you have to assume that it remains consecrated even though it's been purchased, uh, etc. Otherwise, the, the, the agreement wouldn't make any sense. The disagreement wouldn't make any sense at all. <clears throat> so they bring in the, uh, the, the statement of our mission over here in, in, in the in Mitzvah Tebeah that um, you're not allowed to consecrate an offering on Yom Tov. So there's different resolutions. Um, one says Rabbi Yochanan um, says you're allowed to consecrate an animal um, that it's going to be offered that day. However, um, uh, an um, offering that's going to be offered the next day, you're not allowed to consecrate. Um, uh, or another uh, solution is that uh, you're allowed to consecrate that day, but you can't consecrate something that's going just for the financial upkeep of the temple. Okay? Um, um, and one of the, uh, another solution is that you consecrate it um, in the temple uh, courtyard because consecrating is only a rabbinical um, injunction and there are no rabbinical injunctions in the temple. That, that brings a side question of bringing a, a non-consecrated animal into the temple and we're not going to go into that right now. Um, and that's that little piece about um, uh, Erev Pesach that falls out on Shabbos. Um, there's lots of details, obviously, that um, uh, should be mentioned, but we just don't have time today. Now, the, the tractate proper ends um, with another Mishnah, and the end of the tractate is discussing ownership of an item, whether or not you can take it beyond the um, carrying limits on, on a holiday um, or Shabbos. And you're allowed to carry something uh, 2,000 uh, cubits outside of a city um, or walk 2,000 cubits out of a city um, on Shabbos. <clears throat> and how do you establish ownership of the item or the animal that's in question to measure these 2,000 amas? Now, this is called the trum. So the, the final Mishnah discusses um, animals that are free-range or domesticated um, and whether or not uh, they're considered mukta, um, uh, un, unhandleable on Yamtif because they were outside of the, uh, the uh, limits of, of the 2,000 uh, amas, the 2,000 cubits. So the Mishnah says you're not allowed to water or slaughter range animals, but you can slaughter or, uh, or, or water domestic animals. So the Mishnah says, well, who, what's considered the domestic animal? Those animals that spend the night within the city limits, um, and what's considered a free-range animal, that, those are animals that pasture um, outside the city limits. Now, the Gemara discusses this definition and says a free-range animal are animals that leave the um, environments of the city and go out and pasture from Pesach until the first rain in the fall, um, which is uh, um, a clarification of the Mishnah 
And what are uh, domestic animals? Those that spend the nights in the city limits throughout the entire year. Rebbe says, even if they're located outside the boundaries of the city on the onset of the holiday and entered the uh, uh, tchum, entered this um, uh, city limits after nightfall in the Erev Yantav, you're allowed to uh, slaughter them. Otherwise, they'd be um, uh, mukza. So those only that only applies to the domesticated animals. However, free-range animals are mukza, and you're not allowed to slaughter them. Okay. Um, now, the Gemara then uh, learns from Rebbe's statement that a utensil that entered from outside the tchum uh, of the of the town, outside of the limits of the town, to inside the limits of the town, you're allowed to handle it. You're allowed to carry it. Okay. However, Rabbi Shimon Bar Kassina, or Kassana, said on the of Acha, only you can carry it, but only four paces from its location where it's brought in. As we'll see, that has a to do with a, a halacha. Okay. Um, so the question is, if if it's being brought from outside the town, if it's just brought into the town itself, into a rishusarabim, into a public place, you can't carry it more than four paces. However. Uh, for Amos. However, if it's brought into a home, there's a question. Could you carry it more than four paces in the home or not? And the Gemara seems to feel, no, you can't. So there's a story it brings. <laughs> Gamliel Zuga. This was his name. Okay, and he was honored by a certain Arab merchant on Yamta for the gift of mushrooms. Um, expensive mushrooms. I imagine they were like truffles um, that had been brought from outside the city boundary. Okay, and he asked Rabbi Mana, could he accept the mushrooms and eat them on Yantav? So Rabbi Mana told to him, you can accept them from him inside your house. Okay, because to start eating mushrooms in the Rishusarabim is not nice. Uh, people don't eat in, in public. Um, and you can, ha- but you have to um, eat them within four paces of the place where you accepted them in, in accordance with Rebbe's ruling. And that ends the Masechta. Um, and I'll just say the Hadron. I don't, do we have a minion? Okay, all right. uh, we shall return to you, Mesechtas Beya, and we return to us. Our thoughts are on you, Mesechtas Beya, and your thoughts are on us. We will not forget you, Mesechtas Beya, and we will not forget us, neither in this world or the world to come. <coughs> I just want to mention a little story. I'll say the rest of the Hadron to myself. But there was a scholar who devoted his life um, to the Tractate of Tainus. I believe it's brought in the, in the Babylonian Talmud. And um, the, that's all he studied. And he passed away. And no one was there to attend to his funeral. And one of the uh, scholars of the time, one of the, the uh, Amarayim, noticed there was a woman dressed in black um, crying bitterly. And he said to him, what are you crying about? She said that so-and-so, this, this scholar, 
has passed away and there's no one to bury him, there's no one to take care of him. So uh, a funeral was arranged and many people came to honor him. Um, when they went to uh, inquire about this woman, she had, she had said her name was Tynus and um, she vanished. So a, a tractate is a living thing. It's a, it's a, it's a, a concept that has life to it um, and that's one of the reasons that we say this beginning of the the, the hadron um, to recognize the that that the tractate that we're learning is a force of life that we're interacting with and um, ha is conscious of us just like we're conscious of it. That what I imagine would apply to any uh, holy book that you study. Thank you very much, Rabbi Greenstein. For those of you who are firstborn, you can now enjoy your morning coffee. And we will take this opportunity to wish you all a happy Nekosha Passover. Remind them to sell the chumash. And um, be sure to sell your chametz. You can do that online. You can go to bokabeachchabad.com and you'll find a form there to fill out if you have yet to do so or wherever you are locally. Um, you can go to any of the, your local Chabad website, fill out the on-sale form, and be sure, of course, for the Seder at the very least to make sure to have Shmur Matzah, the, um, the handmade round Shmur Matzah. And the um, most important thing is to sit around the Seder table and to tell the story and to live the experience and um, to reawaken within all of us um, the freedom to be the truest and best part of ourselves, which is to access our inner soul and our inner selves. And we said that last year, so that means there's still time for us this year to be in Jerusalem. May we all celebrate together in Jerusalem, the holy city, with the coming of Moshiach, and we will see you God willing, um, after the holiday. So, Chag Sameach and uh, also Shabbat Shalom. Make it a great day. Thank you for tuning in to today's Daily Dose of Torah. For more life-enriching wisdom from Rabbi Nu and to sponsor a Daily Dose of Torah, go to bokabeachchabad.com.